Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us on the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Doe, and you're listening to episode 27. Now, I, it's been a couple of weeks since I've done my last episode, and I do apologize for that, especially when it came to the opening season for archery in Georgia. The day it opened, Saturday morning, 8.30, and I had a doe walk out right in front of me, no more than 18 yards. I pulled back my bow, took a clean shot, double lunged her, and she dropped less than 30 yards away from me. So it was a great way to start the opening season for myself for this archery hunting season. Hope that you're having just as much luck as I have. I can't wait to get back on the field, but uh, so far it's been a great start for me. And that kind of brings up a really good purpose of what this topic that we're going to be covering. I have now a freezer, not completely full, but getting there, full of venison. And uh, one of the things I love to do is create venison jerky. That's one of my favorite things when it comes to eating deer meat. And of all the times I've been making jerky, I've always used those pre-bought blended seasonings, to, especially the hickory. I like the hickory flavor. I'll add honey to kind of give it a honey hickory uh, flavor to it. But the fact is that when you look at the ingredients that that seasoning that I'm putting in there, it's not that healthy. And in fact, on top of that, the curing process, have you looked at what the curing pack looks like? It's yellow. And if you think about it, to cure your meat, you only really need salt. But have you ever seen salt that's yellow? I haven't. So I don't know how healthy that is. I don't really know what's in it. They don't really tell you. They just know that you got to put a certain amount in it, but you don't know what it is. So now that brings up the topic of how can you create healthy jerky with real seasonings that you can either buy, grow, and mix yourself. There is so much out on the web that talk about how you can use natural seasonings, um, but a lot of times if you look at what they offer, they're saying use sauce. Uh, it might be Worcestershire sauce, and by it does taste good, but again, look at what's in the back. It's loaded with filler. It's not that healthy. So that's not something I want to jump into. And so this could technically be the introduction to creating your own healthy jerky with real seasonings. And to cover this topic, we brought on a really cool guest. His name is Garrett Stembridge, and he's got a really good take on why you want to have healthy seasonings and how you can basically get started with it. So let's get this show going. Garrett, are you on the line? Yes, I am. I'm really glad that you came on the show and willing to share with us uh, the whole topic the day that we're going to be covering is the idea of creating healthy jerky. And with most people, we buy or we go into the idea of buying blends already out there, quickly throw it together, and it tastes good. But when you start getting into what's really in the ingredients, you realize there's so much filler and you have this really great piece of meat that you've either harvested or someone's given you and you're now trying to create something healthy. But then when you find out the ingredients you're putting in there is not, you're kind of like it's a catch 22. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, one of the big reasons why I hunt is because I'm able to get free range meat without, uh, you know, any chemicals that, you know, some of the meats that we find in the stores have, uh, whether they be antibiotics or uh, growth hormones. And, uh, and so, yeah, when I, when I get something from the field, I'm, I'm a big uh, deer and elk hunter. I, I like the, the meat to be as pure as possible. And, you know, I hear a lot of people that, that 
eat jerky as a quote unquote healthy snack. But when you go to the store and you buy a bag of jerky, uh, I mean, unless you're going to like the health food store, a lot of the stuff in that jerky is is not good for you. I mean, it's loaded with sugar, um, all sorts of, like you said, fillers and stuff that you just don't even know what it is. And so, and just like you said, that's the same thing with those pre-made rubs and mixes and marinades that you can buy at the store to make your own jerky. And so I prefer to uh, to make my own um, just with some recipes that I found online. I like to modify them and just so that I know what's going in there and I can know what I'm eating is is healthy. That's awesome. You know, kind of stepping into the premise of creating jerky, like what is the reasoning for making jerky, the purpose of it? I think that from what I understand is, you know, mountain men, it was, it, it was the good thing about jerky and is that it, lasts a long time. I mean, you can you can keep it for long periods of time without it going bad. Uh, you dry out the meat. And I mean, I think nowadays we eat it because A, it's delicious and B, it is a, a pretty easily uh, consumable and packable snack that you can take with you wherever you go. Yeah, it's funny is that every time I seem to make, I usually do about two pounds a time. Uh-huh. And so two pounds fills up for the stack racks that I have. But I try to make it last as long as possible, but unfortunately, it just seems like it won't last but three or four days at most, and that's pushing it. Just because I, I constantly eat it throughout the day, and I can't, even though I want to savor it, I just keep munching down, and it just goes away. Oh, I was, I thought you were, I thought you said it went three or four days, and it went bad. But no, I, I have the same problem as just, you make a ton of it, but it only seems to last, you know, a very short period of time unless you put it out of sight and out of mind, right? Oh, yeah. And now that uh, you know, I'm trying to get my son in, I mean, he's almost two, and I let him try a little bit. Every time I give him a little piece, it's it's like the uh, Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop, and he constantly <laughs> keeps coming back and pointing at the jerky like more, more, more. Uh-huh. Yeah, so true. I have a uh, my oldest is uh, she's she'll be three in just over a week and a half, and yeah, she's always asking me for for jerky and loves when I make it, and and we feel good about it. You know, I'm grandparents are always feeding her full of sugar and, and unhealthy snacks. So it's good to have some healthier snacks at home. And, and I definitely consider uh, the jerky that I make to be one of those. Now, when you're making your jerky, are, do you use an oven or are you using a dehydrator? Yes, I use a dehydrator. I've seen recipes where you can use an oven, but um, I've actually never tried that. I've, I've had great success with a dehydrator that I use. Are you using the more of a ground or are you using strips? I actually do both. I mean, I really? started out just doing strips, but I I found a ground jerky or it was a ground beef recipe, but I've always made it with deer or elk. That is just to die for. And that's kind of the one that I've been making over the last year. Before we get into the actual the ground, because that's what I'm usually used to as well. And I the purpose, the reason why is I thought it was easier. I've been afraid to even touch the the strips because I've thought you know you need to cure it and then how do you get the seasoning into the meat I just always thought it was a lot more difficult so I've always stared away from it but how did you like what's the process to at least do the strips you know I I did a lot of research online it's kind of been a trial and error type thing but I guess one tip that I'll give in making um, your strips is don't let the meat thaw completely uh, when the meat thaws completely it's real it's difficult to get consistent the thickness and strict in the strip size so what I would do is is get it so it's almost thawed or if you have it all the way thawed put it back in the freezer for maybe 30 minutes until it's lightly frozen then you're able to just cut through that and get consistent 
uh, strip sizes. I usually aim for a quarter of an inch and then I cut those and then I add the marinade and I let it soak in there for usually overnight or 24 hours and then that soaks in all of the meat rather than just throwing on your steak in a marinade and letting them sit there and then cutting into it, I think you would lose a lot of the, the flavor by doing it that way. Oh, okay. When you stick it in the dehydrator, how long do you usually heat it or let it go through? Because I know with the ground, it's a little different, but with this, is it still about six to seven or 11 to 12 hours? With my dehydrator, I mean, I think my highest setting is 160 degrees and I, it usually takes, like you said, six to seven hours. And kind of the rule of thumb that I go off of is if you pull off a piece of jerky and it snaps in half, you've cooked it too long. Uh, you definitely don't want to undercook it. But when I grab a strip off, I want to break it and then I want it to crack, but I don't want it to just crack in half. I want it to, to bend, but then it's going to crack throughout the bend. Then I know that it's it's good and then I'll, I'll try some and and make sure it tastes right, that there's no like raw redness. And once I get to that point, then I know that it's good to go. Because you definitely don't want to undercook it because there's all sorts of bacteria that can cause you to get sick if you do that, especially if you're giving it to kids. Okay. But I, I think that overcooked jerky is, is just kind of a, a disappointment. You put forth all that <laughs> effort, you're so excited for it, and then you get this crunchy, just dry, not very good jerky it's just really disappointed oh i agree i've uh, i've made well not with the strips i've never done it but with ground i've i've had it where i've overheated it or cooked it and it didn't taste good at all i mean you could chew it it's just you feel disappointed like what a waste definitely i i think we've all been there so well kind of going into the realm that you're you feel more comfortable with which is the the ground that's where i've been sticking most of I guess the last seven years, all the times I've been making jerky, I've always done ground and I've always done pre-blends. But going in the idea of wanting to try something more organic, you know, something you could put together yourself, buy the ingredients, it's always scared me because I always thought if I screw it up, I'm wasting this meat. So I've stayed away from it. I've read online, I've seen recipes, but you sometimes, the people that, or the things that you read on the web are not always as clear because it's subjective. They have based on per pound, or it might be a pound and a half, two pounds, or they might have a huge amount. So they don't really give you the exact amount that you're gonna be making, so you don't really know. But uh, so how exactly did you get into creating the blends yourself? Yeah, you know, that's like I said, um, my wife and I, we've, we've since we got married, we kind of came from different ends of the spectrum when it came to eating. She grew up eating very healthy, non-processed foods. You know, you cook at home, whereas my family, we weren't the most unhealthy eaters. But I mean, uh, frozen meals a lot of the time, going out to eat a bunch at, you know, uh, fast food restaurants. And so her and I over, you know, the past seven and a half years have come to this happy place where we're where we just try to eat as natural as possible. We cook at home and and we don't buy the pre-made frozen meals. We don't go to eat fast food. And, and so that's kind of how I took this into making this jerky is I just, rather than going and buying one of those mixes at the store, as easy as that would be, I wanted to be able to control what I was putting in it. So I just started to research online and I'd, I'd made jerky before. And I mean, sometimes it is difficult when you see Wow, how many pounds? I mean, three pounds of ground beef, or or how much does that equal in terms of my packages of ground elk that I have? And I don't have a scale, but I, I mean, I kind of just try to test it out and see and and make sure that I have at least that much so that the the flavor isn't overpowering. And I've actually never had it go go 
wrong or, or turn out really bad. They've always turned out really good. And and what's fun is, you know, I kind of take notes and one time I'll try, I'll just do the recipe exactly as it is. Then the next time I'll try switching out, maybe uh, substituting brown sugar with co- coconut sugar or honey with agave, um, something along those lines. or and, and then maybe even adding some things like red pepper flakes when it doesn't ask for it. Or uh, maybe I'll cut the salt in half because I think that we get too used to eating a lot of salt and sodium. Um, and, and so, yeah, and then I'm able to find kind of the perfect mixture. But does that answer the question? Oh, yeah. And I've actually brought up another one. You're talking about the, the salt. The salt is mainly meant for the curing process, right? Yes. And now with the, in the blends, you know, the pre-packaged, they usually have two separate ones. One, the package of the seasoning, and then the other is the, the actual cure is what they call it. And, but it's, it doesn't look like salt. I mean, it looks orange or yellow, depending on how old it is. And so you're not really sure exactly what's in it. Uh, you just know you just have to put a certain amount in there. But could you technically can still get curing process with just using salt in itself, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There's also, you can buy this stuff that I use. I, I also make my own summer sausages out of ground beef and ground elk. Mm-hmm. And um, I use this stuff called Tender Quick. And it's by Morton Salt. I, that's the brand that I buy. But it is just like a concentrated salt that goes in and tenderizes the meat. So definitely, you don't have to use that stuff, especially if it's got a funky color to it. That's when you know they're they're using unnatural dyes and, I mean, other stuff that just isn't good for you to consume. <laughs> That's what uh, has always been in the back of my mind because I am I have the season and then I have this cure. And I know that salt was kind of the idea. And I know that I think they have a pink salt out there, but I was like, this is not pink. This is not white. And I think salt's bleach, which is why you buy it white. But um, this is a yellow tone and sometimes and more of an orange. I'm like, I just don't know. Uh, but I use it anyways because it's in the package. But um, so salt. Hmm. Do you know, is it, could you over salt it or under salt it? Oh, definitely. I think you could definitely over salt it. That's where you need to be careful, um, especially with your ingredients. And you want to try to get the the recommended meat uh, quantity, whether it's in pounds or packages. You want to get that as close to to possible as being accurate because if you oversalt it, it's just going to be unpleasant. I mean, we've all eaten stuff that's very, very salty. If you undersalt it, I don't think that's the worst thing ever. I mean, with with jerky, it is it is a salty snack, right? But I think that we as Americans um, and just the the way that the food industry works, they oversalt everything. And a lot of us have acquired have, have these acquired tastes of where we now. Um, enjoy that but you know i try to not use as much when i can just because too much salt can can result in all sort of all sorts of health issues and and we don't need to dive into that but i think that you'd rather go less salt than too much salt so you just need enough to make sure you're curing or helping the process but uh not there's no reason to go over yes is there a certain amount that you'd usually put in, let's say, per poundage? You know, I... <laughs> I know you, you usually guess, but uh, I mean, the salt is a, I guess, with the idea of being curing, I don't know if it's you know, a teaspoon, a tablespoon, or a tablespoon and a half per pound, but just an idea that would be a good direction. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. I mean, the recipes that I use, it's basically the, the curing process is all part of the marinating process, too. So I don't... I don't do like a separate salt rub or mix and mix it into there and then do my marinade. It's all part of it. So 
So for example, like uh, one of my favorite ones, it calls for three pounds of ground meat. And then let's see, from a salt standpoint, it's usually three to four teaspoons for those three pounds of ground meat. But then I also add in broth. So beef broth or, or chicken broth. And that also, you have to realize that that has a, a high sodium content as well. And so I think all of that kind of goes into the, the curing portion of, of that. Okay. Well, um, I guess kind of going into the idea of what type of flavors do you make? Good question. I mean, I, I, have, made, <laughs> I have made teriyaki before, especially when I do strips. I, I like to do teriyaki. Here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't just go and buy Yoshida's teriyaki sauce or one that you make at the store. I actually look up a homemade recipe for teriyaki sauce because, once again, I can control what goes into that. There won't be any dyes. I can control the sodium. I can, and a lot of those have you know high fructose corn syrup, sugars. I can control those as well. So when I make uh, teriyaki sauce, instead of using sugar, I normally use honey. Sometimes I'll use agave. Um, and then recently, my wife and I have gotten into coconut sugar, um, which is it's very sweet and it's it's a lot better for you than just your processed white sugar. And then I will just use that. I'll, I'll create that and then I'll put the strips in a bag. I'll throw the whole marinade in there, stick it in the fridge for 24 hours, and then I'll go and I'll um, I'll dry my meat and then I'll have teriyaki. Um, as far as ground beef, I don't know if you can say there's an actual flavor. It's just uh, we'll just call the flavor delicious because I, I don't think it has a name. <laughs> okay. One of the things I've been doing, and I don't know if maybe you know how to recreate it, but I've always been doing or I always purchased the hickory blend. And then, but I don't just like hickory. I always, I end up adding my own stuff to it. I'll add honey. So it's now more of a honey hickory. I'll add red pepper flakes. So it kind of give it a little bit more of a kick. But again, with the idea of the hickory, do you, I mean, is there a way that you've come up with or have you been able to successfully create a hickory flavor? Yeah. You know what I use is, and I love, and it, it and then looking at the ingredients, there's nothing that I would call bad for you in it is I use uh, liquid smoke and you can buy different flavors of smoke. So there's hickory, there's mesquite. And um, I love, I actually have both mesquite and hickory. And so whenever I want it to have more of a hickory taste, I obviously use that one. Or if I want to switch it up, I'll use a different one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's great. Now, how does that work with, because it look, sounds like you do a lot of stuff that more of liquefies the meat when you're uh, letting it sit overnight. You know, with the blends, it's always powdered, and, or at least that the kind of Bass Pro that I've been purchasing has been a, a more of a powered, or a powdered flavor. So that you're pretty much uh, at the mercy of how juicy it's going to be based on how much liquid's in the meat itself. But when you're using seasoning that's liquefied, how does that affect the end result with the jerky once it's going through? Does it allow it to be more juicy or does it have really anything towards the end when it's finished? Yeah, you know, it's funny with the, with my favorite recipe for the ground meat, I it actually calls for, I mean, a, a one and a quarter cup of broth. And then you have liquid smoke, which is just a tablespoon, but then you have uh, two teaspoons of honey or something else. So there is actually a lot of liquid that goes into it. But um, once you just mix it in and you have all the, the dry spices too, 
in the end, it still looks like your ground meat. I mean, it just smells really, really good. And it may not be as, um, maybe as dense. I don't know if that's the right word. As dense as when you first started, but it's still, it's still all together. It's not sloppy or soupy at all. It still just looks like ground meat and it works just fine. All the, throughout the years, I've always been taking my deer meats to the processor and they would provide the, the ground for me finished, packaged and ready to go. And the issue is every time I opened it up, I always noticed that they've always put some sort of pig fat or some sort of fat form in there. And I never thought much of it. But when I started processing my own meats last year and this year, I don't put anything in there. And now I don't know if that's something that has any effect on the flavor or the binding process when it comes to dehydrating or has any effect at all. Because when you, if you think about it, if you're making hamburgers, of course you want that bound, um, I think, which is what fat helps for. But when you're dehydrating, I don't know if it really has any major effect, does it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, whenever I go and I get it processed, I've processed my own meat before, but I definitely prefer just taking it to the butcher. They've always asked me, Hey, do you want to add in some, some pig fat or, or beef fat to this? Um, a lot of people, like you said, I think it's just how we've gotten as a, as a culture and society, uh, you know, they, something to make it fattier and t- maybe it tastes better, but once again, I mean, that's just another way to make it not as healthy as it, as it is. I mean, when yeah. you come in, it's, you know, it's lean meat, it's free range and it's about as healthy of meat as you can get. And so I never add that to it. And I have noticed though, when I'm just not even making jerky, but when I'm just cooking ground deer or ground elk on the stove, I have to add a little, you know, avocado oil or grapeseed oil uh, to get it going. Whereas if I'm doing just ground uh, ground beef, that is a lot fatter and it's there's a lot more liquid in it. It's almost dry when I'm cooking uh, ground deer or ground elk. So I think that could definitely play into maybe the binding process when it comes to the jerky itself uh, when making that. But I actually haven't really had much experience with that because I don't add uh, fat to my ground meat. The funny part is that the places where I used to take my processor, they never asked me, they just stuck it. And so this is the reason why I started processing my own because I wanted to eliminate the fat itself being applied to the, the finished product. And, um, but it's interesting that they would ask you, they never asked me. Yeah, I know that, that is really interesting. And it's, it's actually funny when I tell them, they say, okay, they kind of just assume, so you want to add uh, pig fat in this? And I say no. And they always kind of give me this weird look like you're crazy, you know, but it, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, it's, there's so much out there that we consume that is bad for us. And I'm just trying to keep it as, as healthy as possible. So I think, yeah, maybe that's just a good, a good message from you to everyone that's listening is to just make sure if they don't ask you about it, just make sure to tell them, Hey, I do not want fat added to my meat. Uh, I just want it as is. Well, you know, that's actually interesting the way that, uh, I guess you and your wife and the mindset of how you're eating, that's really close to what my wife and I like for the last Oh gosh, forever. I don't know the last time I've ever gone to a fast food restaurant and ordered anything. Uh, if I can't make it myself, and especially not a box food, it's pretty much things we have to either buy, cut up, you know, blend, you know, create ourselves. Uh, we never have box food, at least these days. And now with our son, I mean, he's almost two and he, the last time he really had any type of sweet was uh, when he had his birthday cake and he didn't even like it. I mean, he, his sweetness is pretty much fruit and vegetables. 
Um, <laughs> and so, but the reason why I like the jerky is that I think that's just a really good alternative for a snack. Um, you know, going into these, the recipes, uh, you gave some really good ones so far. I mean, uh, what other flavors have you made? I know uh, the, the flavor idea, there's no real necessarily wording that could be applied to it. Like there's karaoke, understand that. And there's the hickory, which was great. I, I can't wait to try the, the rub. I've never done that before. But what other kind have you done? You know, I'll share with you my favorite recipe. And I mean, I got to give credit where credit is due. If you go to the website Allergy Free Alaska and you just search for um, ground beef jerky, they have an awesome recipe in here that I just substitute for ground deer, ground elk, or you could do ground beef. Um, but let me just read you off the recipe. And this is what I love. So you just, you thaw your ground meat, put it in a bowl. You add five teaspoons, garlic powder, four teaspoons, onion powder, and then three to four teaspoons, sea salt. I actually usually end up doing only two because, uh, um, there's going to, it's going to be plenty salty. Uh, then two teaspoons of ground black pepper, and then one and a quarter cups of beef broth or chicken broth. You can even use vegetable broth, which is a little healthier than those, and it still tastes excellent. Then you add a tablespoon of, of liquid smoke. Uh, you, you, I either do hickory or mesquite, but any one will work. And then two, they call for two teaspoons of unsulfured molasses. I've done molasses. It's really good. I've also done honey and I've also done agave. So uh, whatever you have on hand, I, I mean, feel free to, you don't have to follow recipes by the book. It's fun to kind of take your own spin on them. And with that, I just mix that all together and just get my hands in there, make sure that it's nice and mixed good. Then I put it in the fridge usually for 12 hours, sometimes 18. If you leave it in there too long, then those flavors can almost soak up and get too too bold of a flavor. So 12 to 18 hours. And then I just have a little jerky gun that I can just put the ground meat into. And then you just squirt it out onto your trays. And then this usually takes four to six hours. And I would just keep an eye on it. At two hours, I would go check on it and make sure. And then, you know, every hour after that, because like I said, you don't want to overdo it. You definitely want to make sure it's done, but not overdone. Um, and the way to do that, that I already talked about earlier, is just take a piece off, bend it in half, and if it bends, but then it cracks a little in the bend, and that's when it's typically done. If you, if if it, or if it tears, if you go and you you break it or you go to bend it and it snaps in half, uh, you need to turn it off right now because you've cooked it too long. If you go and you bend it in half, and it's very bendable, but it's not tearing at all or cracking then it still needs more time do you ever uh, oscillate the the tracks like when you um, check on them do you take like the bottom rack put it to the top and vice versa throughout the time or do you just keep them where they're at you know what i my dehydrator is awesome it, it actually it actually dries from the top down oh. and so i in the past like growing up my parents had one that dried from the bottom up and you had to uh, rotate the the different trays to make sure because the ones on bottom would be really dry. The ones on top would still be mushy. But with mine from the top down, it's worked so well that it all cooks evenly and it's been very nice. I don't have to go out and worry about that. What brand do you have? The brand is actually Nesco, N-E-S-C-O. And I, I got it on Amazon. If you, if you Google it, I got, I well, they, the, the package that it comes in has six trays. It actually has some 
things to go on the trays so you can make fruit roll-ups or dried fruit. Um, and then it also came with like with a jerky gun too. So it was just kind of an all-in-one package and it was it was really nice. Wow. Oh, yeah. So surprisingly that the one I have is an Esco as well, but it's a bottom feeder or uh, I guess a heater. Um, but yours is a top one. I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah, I think I think it cost maybe sixty dollars, probably less. And we've we've dried all sorts of stuff on it and really enjoy it. It's been a, a really great purchase. Sixty. Oh wow. Yeah, uh, mine. I think it was around one hundred and fifty, and it uh, it's the bottom loader. I, it's not. It's done its job. But I'm as like you were saying, me. I have to literally shift it every couple hours. And which makes it a pain because I usually try to do this at night around 12 o'clock at night. I never do it throughout the day. It's usually the evening. So it makes it a little bit more difficult on my part. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. So do you do it in your house or where do you typically dry it? Well, uh, I like to usually do it in my house, but when I do, I end up having to shut all the doors. Um, it ends up making like the smell hits everywhere, especially the clothes. And my wife's not really too thrilled about that. <laughs> so it, during winter, I usually stick it outside during summer. I try to keep it inside because I think it's just way too hot outside. Um, but as this, you know, the cool weather comes in, I usually start taking it outside, but I'll cover the top because I have this hole. Uh, I'll cover it with a paper towel. I'll put tape around it and poke holes. The reasoning is to help try to keep the bugs out of it. Cause I do know oh. that even with the heat and even the summer lights turned off, you can turn it on. You can see certain types of like gnats or something flowing. Um, I'm not sure if gnats is some sort of bug flowing around the edges. I'm like, I don't want that cooked. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, it does stink up well, if you call that stink it actually i, I love like the this whole yeah yeah it, yeah i totally agree i typically do it out in the garage just i have like a freezer out there i'll go stick it on it and but even then i can still smell it in the house and then you walk out to the garage and you're about overcome with the smell it just smells really good do you ever have any where people come in and say hey would you mind making me some for you oh all the time i mean and it's funny, I'll take some to work and I will give it to some of my coworkers. I have a couple of friends there that are just huge jerky fans and they just rant and rave about the jerky. They just think, oh my goodness, this is so good. It's every bit as good, if not better than the store-bought. And I mean, it feels really good, you know, um, but it's it's difficult to not be uh, selfish because I know the work that goes into it and not only just making the jerky, but if you're a hunter, you know, you know that meets kind of uh valuable and, and precious especially if if you don't get an, an animal every year uh you can be you might need to save a lot of that for yourself but <laughs> yep but um but yeah it's, it's fun to share it's fun to you know let people try it and it's it's good just to hear yeah uh, the compliments you get on it you know kind of going into just a random thought of have you made any or tried a season that uh you came up with that just didn't turn out good at all that's a that's a good question. If I if I had, it would have been years ago when I was still living at home, maybe in high school with my parents. Um, I think the only thing I've ever done that really ruined it was I overcooked it, and we've already talked about that. But oh, it yeah. just oh, I was so excited, and then it just was so crunchy and gross. Um, but as far as like a rub or a marinade, I really haven't found one that was just not good. I mean, it always tastes like jerky, and I do like some more than others, but. In the end, they're all really delicious. Well, man, uh, I think we kind of covered a, a really good process of creating a uh, the blends yourself. Uh, you gave, I guess, three different recipes that anybody could try. I'm definitely going to try them because I have a, a full freezer now full of uh, deer meat that I got opening day in Georgia, which was great. 
Um, nice. so I can't wait to actually try some, especially the, the hickory rub. I, I haven't done that. So that is going to be a new adventure for me, but, um, it's a lot easier knowing to be able to speak to somebody that has done this before than just reading. Cause sometimes when you read, you have to look into what they're saying and then you're taking a chance. You're taking a chance anyways, but knowing that you're talking to someone that has done this before, it's a little bit more reassuring. No, definitely. Yeah, it was great, great being on and talking to you about this, especially from one hunter to another. And I totally agree with the anxiety. Well, the anxiety and the worry that goes into this, you know, you don't want to ruin meat, right? I mean, oh, yeah. uh, and so, but the thing is, you got to, you got to just give it a shot. You got to try it. And if you've made jerky before and you find a recipe that, that maybe isn't totally clear, just draw on whatever knowledge you have before. I mean, I, a lot of these aren't as, as clear as, as they probably should be, but I mean, I've made it before. I know what setting to put my dehydrator on. And with some of the tips that I gave you on how to check when the meat's done, if you just, um, if you just follow those steps, then you should be fine, um, and making uh, delicious jerky for you and your family. Well, Garrett, I do appreciate you taking the time coming on and uh, sharing with us, especially for me, but from our listeners, I think that um, we definitely learned something that's wanting to take the next step, which is great. No, definitely. Well, Travis, let me know how it goes when you try those out. I want to hear um, your thoughts about them. Oh, I will. I will do. All right. Thanks. You know, if our followers want to ask questions or find out more about what you do, I mean, how can they reach you? Yeah, I think my Instagram would be best. I actually have a, a fitness uh, Instagram account, but I also post like healthy recipes and I talk about hunting on it uh, on oh, occasion. So if you want to do that, um, it's just at, so the at sign and then beard buff. So I have a big red beard. So it's just beard and then B-U-F-F. Oh yeah, I've had a beard for years now and just uh, really enjoy, I just really enjoy the beard and so does the wife. So <laughs> He looks like Chris Kringle. <laughs> I uh, I have the, I guess I'm one of those lucky people. I haven't really, I haven't fully grown it out. But if I shave in less than a week, I have a full beard that's starting to grow pretty big. Um, so <laughs> nice. I get this where I have to, I never truly shave. I usually just trim. But um, when you're having like a full beard, you got like what, a good massive beard or is it like where it's hanging down and you're growing it long or are you making it bushy and big? No, well, I, I, I keep the size. So I kind of like taper it down. It's probably off my chin, probably what, two inches, right? Two to three inches. And then I, I don't let it grow out wide and okay. be all bushy, but I do let it grow long and kind of keep it, uh, kind of like a slim look on the side. It's a side effect of the jerky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, great, man. This was really, really cool. That was a lot of fun. Well, Garrett, again, I do appreciate you coming on. I think this was cool because I am going to try out some of these uh, recipes. I think that's great. I, especially the, the, the hickory smoke. The I never knew that they even had a coconut sugar is what you said. Um, yep. I've never heard of it. I mean, I, I use coconut for a lot of things, but I've never actually knew that they create a sugar base. So that's something I'm going to try as well. But uh, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Thanks for having me on. I will send you an email with uh with a bio and then with the the links to these pages um and then like a, a picture to upload shortly sweet sounds great man all right thanks travis yep take care okay bye man i really liked the conversation i just had with garrett his knowledge especially getting like the introduction to learning how to make jerky in a healthy way creating the seasoning yourself 
there's so many different ways. Like he says, you can go on the web, you can find tons of recipes. I've seen them. I just don't necessarily like to go and jump in and start just picking out the recipes and start making things because like he was saying earlier, you know, deer meat or just healthy venison or wild meat itself is in a sense precious because you really don't have that much to offer and you don't want to waste it. And so if you're going to go and try to season, you're, you're taking a chance. And I've always been steered away from trying to do something new. I've always went with the blends, but I feel a bit more comfortable trying to make my own seasoning this time around. And now that I have a, a freezer almost full of deer meat, I'm going to start doing that. I really want to see if I can make something that's a lot healthier than what I've done before. And I think this conversation really helped out because it gave me a little bit more of trust factor that I think I can do it. And he gave a really cool tips, some things that to, to look for if you've ever made jerky or if if you haven't and you want to, you know, make sure to get a dehydrator. Uh, start trying to create the the seasoning yourself. And the tips that he gave was really great. So you can actually look at the show notes. There's some recipes and some links to his information. But if you go to the website at mybowrush.com forward slash zero two seven, it'll take you right to the show notes. You can get the recipes. You can find out how to reach him, and uh, it'd be all good. Now, I'll kind of give you some updates what's going on with the Bow Rush podcast. I just recently uh, found this new app. I think it's both for the Android, for the iPhone. I even believe it's for the Windows, but uh, what's Windows again? I don't know. But anyways, it's an app. It's called Camo Photo, and it is a focused Instagram style, but for hunters. You don't have to worry about people blocking you. You don't have to worry about people flagging your content of saying it inappropriate because it's violence or anything like that. It allows you to be who you are, a hunter or even a fisherman, doesn't really matter. The fact is that you're an outdoorsman, you have the passion, you've killed an animal, you've caught a fish, It's it could be anything. You don't have to worry about people flagging you. It's all about hunters, it's a place. So check it out, It's you can find it, literally just search for it. It's called Camo Photo, you'll love it. And the way to reach me is just at my bow rush and so pretty much everything we have is at my bow rush or my bow rush something and you can find us but if you go to our follow us links i'll have a link directly to that as well so you can find us so i encourage you to go to our site find that link go and download camel photo find us on the app and follow us on there as well you know, if you've enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to go to mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes. It's going to take you right to our iTunes page and it'll allow you to have the ability to leave us a review and possibly give us a five-star rating. And we'd appreciate it if you do, if you think this podcast gives some value. We have some other features as well. So if you go to our website, you probably see on the homepage on the right side, or if you're in the show notes itself, there's probably a little tab on the right column, something that's indicating that you can send us a direct message. If you have a question or even a feedback that you verbally want to let us know about, go to these sections and right off the web, you can't do it on the phone, but you can definitely do it from the computer. You know, Let us know what you think of the site. Let us know what you think of the show. If you have a question about hunting and you'd like to find some information about it, Tell us what that question is, and we will get to work finding the right person to answer that question for you if we don't know how to answer it ourselves. So uh, give that a try. I'd love to hear your feedback. Archery season is well on its way throughout the states, and a lot of people have had great success. And so far, myself, I've had one doe opening season, and other people have had 
awesome results with, you know, knocking down some massive bucks or does, it doesn't matter to me. You're getting wild meat. It's healthy. It's the purpose. Now, if you had a chance and you did get a really good kill, an awesome buck, your first doe, whatever it might be, send us a photo. Let us know what it was like. Uh, we'd love to know the story because we'd like to have some sections and let people to have their voice sharing their story, creating an archive. Uh, we'll put it on Facebook. We'll put it on Instagram. We'll put it into even camel photo, let people see it, and then even point back to you. But uh, you know, give that extra uh, little bit of uh, support and share us what you've done so far. We'd love to see it. Well, that's pretty much it for this show. I really do appreciate you coming on and listening to what we had to say. Uh, this was a great topic and I hope that you will tune in the next week when we cover another topic, which would be just as good. But until next time, I am your host, Travis Stowe of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm out of here.